welcome to the Navit Gaming Podcast, where it is our mission to explore the business and future of video games. We bring together the industry's brightest builders, investors, and thinkers to keep a pulse on current events, dissect emerging trends and games, share lessons learned, and have a great time. This podcast is also part of Novik's growing ecosystem, which ranges from free and premium research to consulting and advisory services. For more information, visit www.novik.co. This episode is brought to you by Zebedee, which welcomes you to a new era of monetization and user retention. Zebedee provides a plug-and-play API and SDK for seamless integration of instant, borderless, and low-fee payments using the Bitcoin Lightning Network. With fees less than one cent, Zebedee powers over 4,000 developers across sectors, processing millions of transactions monthly. You too can unlock the potential of borderless transactions to better engage and monetize your global user base, including the unbanked, and simplify the way you handle payments. Start for free at Zebedee.io, integrate with just a few steps, and monetize your experiences. Again, that's Zebedee.io, or check out the link in the show notes. And with that, let's jump into the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Novic Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Alexandra Takei, and this is the Interview and Insights segment. So the days of yore, we had actors, and now we have influencers. Influencers, as we all know, are individuals who build tailored grassroots community followings and can grow into internet fiefdoms. Um, Some might argue the biggest influencers have more influence than the leaders in our nation, sports icons, or Hollywood. They have the ability to change opinions, behaviors, and purchasing decisions of their audience, given their perceived expertise or passion. Everybody probably remembers that BTS call to action to register for the Trump rally to make it seem like there were more registrations than there were. And so that's an influencer example that I remember in my life. Um, But in gaming, their role is absolutely paramount. Famous streamers like XQC, who recently signed a $100 million exclusive deal with Kik, Dr. Respect, Asmogold, Pokimane, Ninja Shroud, and a litany of others have major implications for the success of your video game, its adoption, and eyeballs. So today we're going to be talking about the role of influencers in gaming, and more specifically, how you might develop a influencer strategy. In order to do so, I'm welcoming Nadia Bubanikova, the head of agency at Famesters, a influencing marketing, marketing agency that covers PC and console gaming, mobile gaming, and a few other apps and services. They've run campaigns for games like Getsufu Maden, an action RPG published by Konami, Mobile Legends Bang Bang, One State, and Dying Light, amongst others. Welcome to the pod, Nadia. Yeah, hi, and thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so before we kick off, I would love to know, uh, first of all, where you're calling in from and tell me a little bit about yourself, um, how you came to join Famesters and why you're passionate about uh, influencer marketing. Sure. Uh, today I'm broadcasting from uh, Poland. I uh, am currently located in Warsaw. So as you can probably see or or you it's can't. Dark. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, 10 p.m. right now. Quick fact, I'm actually half Polish, may not look that way, but my mother was born in Gdańsk on the Baltic coast. Um, oh. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I then. Some fa- I have some family in Pol- Poland. Uh, Dzień dobry. Oh, actually, no, that's good morning. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, do- dobry wieczór. <laughs> yes, perfect. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, as you said, I'm the head of FameSource Influencer Marketing Agency, and uh, we've been in the market of influencer marketing for about seven years now. Uh, what we do is we 
provide the full cycle of uh, influencer marketing campaigns for a wide list of uh, digital brands. And it so happens that the majority of those brands tend to be um, the game publishers and developers who self-publish their games. Uh, it's a whole separate branch of our agency that specializes in gaming campaigns, and it really helps us to uh, dwell on the expertise in this field. If I'm talk talking about um, my path, my career path at Famesters, uh, I started off almost five years ago as an influencer marketing manager and just kind of battled my way into the position I am uh, in right now. And... Why influencer marketing actually interested me in the first place is because being a teenager, I spent a lot of free time both playing video games on my PC and watching YouTubers, of course. And when I was getting my degree, it was actually the first time that I've ever heard of influencer marketing being a real job. And uh, that kind of sparked this interest in me and uh, as well as it basically combined like these two things that, that I loved the most back then. So just as back there, I was really enthusiastic about starting influencer marketing. It still manages to keep me interested and creative uh, up to this point. Everything always changes. Nothing, and I mean nothing, stays the same. <laughs> and it definitely is not your standard corporate office job when you're just dying for your lunch break to start. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you said that you had to battle there. I was getting a lot of Hollywood vibes. Um, <laughs> not sure exactly what you had to go through, but I'm sure it was uh, a lot of starting at the bottom, end up at the top situation. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, it's super incredible. I have to admit that I'm organizing this podcast on influencer marketing to learn more about it. This sort of like PR stuff has always been a little bit out of my wheelhouse, but um, I see the criticality of it. Um, my studio and I are going to have to pay attention to it and uh, think about it really actively. And today, like you said, everything really changes a lot. Um, we're seeing over half of TikTok content be gaming related. Um, lots of experimentation in go-to-market in UA, um, especially for mobile games. Um, and so I've witnessed this cool of expressive shift from an emphasis on brand marketing to this kind of more in-kind grassroots um, influencer strategy. So I have a ton of like extremely basic questions to ask you, and I'm really, really excited <laughs> to have you on to, to talk about the, um, the, the space. So um, before we dive a little bit deeper, my first really basic question is, um, you guys have worked on a bunch of games, a um, bunch of influencer campaigns for a bunch of different games. And a lot of game teams basically like ask themselves, okay, well, is my game streamable? And would it be good for audience viewing like on Twitch or YouTube? And so from your point of view today, does every single game studio need to be thinking about this? Or are influencers not right for every kind of game? Honestly, uh, that's a really nice question, and I like to cover this topic uh, because for I would say that for PC and uh, some mobile games, something mid-core and uh, higher probably, influence, influencer marketing is actually a great tool to build the community around the game, if done correctly, of course. Mm -hmm. So uh, it could be a series of dedicated videos, uh, or this could be some collapse between streamers uh, and gaming creators who play together and they actually showcase the, the whole process of, of the game and the playthrough. Or this could also be in-house influencers who uh, actually produce all of the content on their channel for uh, the specific brand and get paid by uh, a ref share model. But I would say that uh, I am can be tricky for hyper casual and uh, some of casual games simply because the biggest advantages of influencer marketing such as 
uh, the detailed explanation of what the game is actually about and heating up the audience before it actually uh, converts into a click and sees the game. Uh, this may not be the benefits for um, hyper-casual and like this super simple games to dwell on. Uh, so probably if we're talking about uh, the general basic influencer marketing campaigns that just use some kind of YouTube integrations, probably it would be better to uh, stick to some traditional and general uh, user acquisition channels rather than influencer marketing. But there is a huge but in here. Uh, even casual and hyper-casual games can still see great ROIs and high acquisition numbers from IM if they take a more creative approach toward this uh, collaboration with influencers. So the job in here is to not only integrate uh, the game into the creator's content, but to do vice versa as well. For example, uh, what I mean is uh, it could be agreeing on creating a joint hyper-casual game with the influencer and actually integrating the influencer's image into the game. Got it. Okay, so hype some, there are some kinds of games that not are not necessarily like correct and right and fit for the influencer marketing um, campaign. But then to flip to that side, you know, are there games that then you guys as an agency refuse to represent if they don't have specific features, right? So someone comes to you guys and they're look they're like, "I hi, I'm a game I'm game studio, and I want some influencer marketing to grow user acquisition." Do you ever kind of reject a game because it doesn't have the right components to be influencer? marketable? Yeah, uh, that actually happens, uh, happens quite a lot, I would say, not only with games, but also with uh, some of the apps and tools mm -hmm. and services that we promote. Uh, we never take on um, hyper-casual projects that are too hyper-casual, should I say, probably. Uh, we have tested that before, and we have done a lot uh, of different strategies, including both uh, YouTube and TikTok and also Instagram, uh, but it never turns out as good as these specific companies can uh, do in-house themselves if they stick to this approach that I've mentioned on uh, using the likeness and the image of the influencer in their game mm -hmm. or creating a joint game. Got it. Okay, I see. Interesting. Um, so it's like better to just not to do it on their own, not to work with an agency, but to just actually go and use the celebrity and do the partnership with the celebrity on their own rather than go through an agency. Sure. Interesting. Um, and then to that regard, since you guys are an agency, right? Um, and I would love for you to tell me a little bit about what the difference between being an, uh, an agency and a talent house is, because um, I think that those are separately different. How do you guys... Um, like sourcer influencers, and how do you guys know what an influencer is looking for in a game? Mm -hmm. uh, so when we take on a specific project, uh, when we're approached by a game publisher or a game developer to uh, build an influencer marketing strategy for them and to basically run the whole campaign, the first step for us is to analyze the game itself and get as much info from the developer as it's actually possible to uh, use all the info and create the strategy that will both bring performance and will still produce some creative uh, content instead of this uh, like simple integrations that everyone is uh, sick from. So uh, once we have uh, the strategy approved with the client, then we can uh, get to some details like uh, what content creators we should be looking in, uh, into, 
uh, if we're talking about a PC game that um, has a strong competitor pre presence on YouTube, then our job is to not only analyze the genre of games that the influencers should be playing, but to also um, grasp the specific competitor titles that the influencer probably should be playing, and we just uh, get on from that. So uh, when we analyze the influencers, of course, we also use a lot of uh, influencer marketing metrics, such as uh, engagement rate, which would show us uh, how much the audience is actually engaged and involved in the content, or if they just play these videos on the background while doing dishes or whatever. And for these influencers, of course, we should not be expecting uh, this high performance rates. Uh, also, we always look at CPMs, which is the main cost efficiency metric in uh, influencer marketing. So it also helps us to avoid overpaying for the integration and just ruining the ROIs for, for the whole campaign. So uh, when reaching out to the influencers, this can also be tricky uh, since we have to not only um, make the influencers looking uh, and matching the product best to fit the client's goals, but we have to also sell the idea of working with uh, the specific game to the creator. Right, right, yeah. I bet that each a lot of the influencers that I know of, or at least YouTube streamers that I've talked to, they really seem to be particularly interested to having some sort of um, relationship with the game studio themselves, and the fact that they can impart like their artistic like wants and desires into the game as being an early partner. So, do you kind of how do you kind of uh, craft that um, and like link up the influencer to the studio? And do you guys like, are you kind of like the arbiter of in between the go between in between the studio and the influencer themselves in terms of the relationship they want to have? Uh, honestly, usually we, um, we handle the whole communication process ourselves. Mm -hmm. So uh, very rarely the influencer meets uh, the the studio. The, yeah, the studio team. Oh. So um, it usually happens that they actually speak two different languages and uh, making them meet is not the best idea because uh, it's it will be either that uh, the deal is going to cost much more <laughs> than it should uh, based on our agency experience or uh, it can just lead to some inefficient work from the influencer uh, resulting in uh, the studio giving the influencer too much freedom or mm -hmm. not enough freedom and the creator eventually producing the content that is not uh, a great fit for the client because they Im imagined in, in a different way. So since we know how to communicate with the influencers and we know what uh, the main problems or uh, the main obstacles may be in the communication with the influencers and in the process of this um, content production, we know how to handle it and we know how to not let it happen uh, at first place. Mm, fascinating. I didn't. So you guys basically are the arbiters of that relationship. Yeah. Okay. It, cool. Um, and then going back to one thing you said prior, you had said that a couple of the metrics that you're tracking for the success of the influencers themselves are CPM rates and then also um, sort of like fixed attention. You know, are people watching the influencer or, or they have the influencer on while they're cooking and doing whatever? How do you actually measure that? On the, from the audience side, what sort of tools and analytics do you use? Uh, sure. If we're talking about the engage, engagement rate and uh, whether 
the, uh, the audience is actually interested in the video that the influencer uh, posted. There are two main metrics. So the first one is engagement rate. Uh, this is calculated by taking all the likes uh, and comments from the video oh, and okay. dividing with the um, views number on the video. So then we okay, see the percentage of the actions taken uh, towards the video uh, to the the general number of, of all the views. And um, another Got metric... It. So a higher ratio there would be better. Yes, of course. So mm -hmm. uh, the minimum okay, um, okay level, I would say, of the this metric would be 5% for uh, YouTube creators. So anything what's, less than... What's, what's like amazing? What's like the highest score you've ever seen? Uh, probably, if we're talking about authentic <laughs> highest, that would be... That would probably be 15 to 20 percent. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. This metric reminds me a lot of um, in like PC, um, like in console games uh, for live ops, we use a, a metric of stickiness called like Daomao, um, which is a relationship to your daily active users, to your monthly mm -hmm. active users. It's very similar. So it's like a measure of like, okay, here are all the people that are watching, but who are people actually doing something every yeah. day? It's very cool. Um, sorry, continue. Uh, yeah, and uh, another metric to actually measure the audience's interest in, in the content that uh, was posted is the view depth. So it actually shows us um, how much of a specific video the audience watches. So do they mm -hmm. just click on the video, watch few, I don't know, the first two or three minutes and then just close it and move on with their day? Or do they actually watch uh, 80 to 90% of the whole video. So that mm -hmm. also shows us how involved the audience is into the content. Got it. Interesting. Okay. So there's like a couple of core metrics, CPM, view depth, um, these attention ratios, um, and then obviously just kind of the general bravado of the influencer, the kinds of games that they play culturally, like are they kind of aligned with the kind of game that they're going to be doing the influencing on? Um, yes. Okay. Got it. All right, so now that I kind of have like primed myself a little bit on like the space of influencers and your guys' relationship and sort of what you guys do, I'd love to learn a little bit about the campaigns that you guys have specifically run in the past. Um, you've run some console and PC influencer campaigns, most notably for um, Mobile Legends, Bang Bang, and games like Dying Light. Um, and so maybe we could use these as a proxy discussion for the process of kind of running an influencer campaign, like start to end. Um, so let's just say like I'm Techland, I'm the developer of Dying Light and I'm like, okay, I want to optimize distribution for my game. So I email you at Famesters and then what happens next? Like, do you start laying out the services and how it's going to, how much it's going to cost? Sort of what's, what's the first thing that happens in the process? Sure. Um, so when the client reaches out to us or we reach out to a client that we would like to, um, make a campaign for. The first step uh, is for uh, for us would be to basically outline the whole process and uh, to make it as transparent as transparent as it can be, uh, so that we can um, we can be sure that everything will be handled accurately and we will have enough communication with the client to um, make each stage uh, of the campaign efficient. So from um, compiling the list of relevant influencers based on all of their requirements, so genre, et cetera, et cetera, up to the draft approval. Because sometimes this point also may be tricky and uh, some of the clients may just go MIA for 
a week when they have drafts waiting. So this actually makes the influencers go, go crazy. So our job is to outline the uh, timeline of the launch and to make sure that everyone is well informed about each stage. Once we see that uh, everything is aligned between both our teams, we can move on to uh, looking for the influencers and to analyzing the game. So, mm. of course, analyzing the game would be the first step. And uh, our team's job in here is to really educate ourselves on the game's mechanics, on its visuals, on uh, some specific things that may help us to uh, come up with relevant influencer suggestions. So that it would not only include uh, some safe options like influencers who play uh, games of the same genre, but probably something that may be uh, appealing to, uh, to, the, to the client based on visuals or the storyline or something mm. like that. Okay, so for Dying Light, let's just use that as an example. Um, sure. What are the aesthetics? What are the visuals? Like, how did you kind of map that out in the strategy? Um, uh, yeah, with the Dying Light, it was uh, kind of a different uh, scenario, I would say, because we were actually promoting uh, a very specific add-on. We, we were promoting Dying Light and Rust Weapon Pack that was mm. uh, okay. recently, that. yes, uh, that was uh, recently added back then. Uh, so basically, this Weapon Pack uh, just included some typical Rust weapons in the Dying Light game. Our job was to highlight this add-on and drive new players to Dynalight. So uh, the Techlands requirement was that uh, all the launches would be run on YouTube, so mm -hmm. no Twitch. And um, they were also interested in a series of dedicated videos and some social media announcement posts, uh, posts that would help to bring the audience to the videos and provide a lot of uh, video views. So during the preparation of the campaign, we have divided the influencers into three groups based on the creatives that uh, we had in mind. So the first group uh, was the, just the creators who played Rust on their channels and who had really high engagement rates, uh, just as I said, proven that their audience is super invested in their content and is likely to follow the link in the description and go to the Steam page and um, buy, the, buy the pack. So this was, I would say, the safest option, just like the usual one. Uh, group number two actually included six guys from uh, the same Rust squad. And we decided that it would be more beneficial for Techland if we actually ask the creators to play Dying Light with their friends mm -hmm. instead of just filming a usual video playthrough. So mm -hmm. uh, this idea was actually... Uh, very welcomed by Techland, and we provided the creators and their friends with some additional game keys to actually film the joint video. So our job in here was to make sure that the video was fun, it was engaging, and it wasn't just a boring playthrough with uh, some comments or some jokes that the audience is actually used to. So uh, when we're introducing a new game, uh, on, even, even though it's a similar game and, and the genre is the same, but uh, our job, uh, on making the launches on mono gaming, on sing single gaming channels, is to make the video stand out in, in a nice way mm -hmm. and make it as engaging and as fun for the audience as possible. So uh, this idea with uh, having the creators invite their non-influencer uh, friends to actually play with them, 
that showed a great result and the videos uh, really did get a lot of views. So that was a nice decision. And the last group that we've had in that launch, group number three, uh, it was a collaboration between uh, two Rust gaming YouTubers who played together in a co-op. And each of them filmed uh, his own YouTube video of it and posted on the channel. So since their um, audience uh, was matching a lot, um, this way their followers got two unique pieces of content, each heating up the other. So we had this like double conversion motivation. Hmm, really, really interesting. And I bet the second example, so there's the first was people who just played Rust. The second example was basically a person that played Rust, but then you invited their rando non-influencer friends. And then the third one was just two kind of like professionally made videos that just referred to, they self-referred to one another, um, friends that were more of a co-op campaign. Um, would, is it true that like all three of those, the three of those like happened at the same time or were they triaged over time? So did they all run? I think the word you used before was um, flights. Did you run these flights of influencers campaigns over the same calendar time or were they kind of split up over time um, as this thing went on? Uh, in this specific case, uh, everything was released almost uh, simultaneously. So we had mm. this really narrow window for publications Probably okay. around like two days, I think. So uh, we didn't have the chance to actually measure the organic traffic influx from these integrations. But uh, I mean, from the different hypotheses that uh, we tested, these three groups. But if we're talking about um, a campaign that can be um, can be elongated into the whole month or into several weeks, then of course this is what uh, we offer to do if we're trying different um, different theories in terms of one launch. Got it. And then two potentially follow-up questions on that. The first one is just, what's the, when you said that there you had the friends come and play, right? Um, in a way that seems very authentic because you have a friend who has their other, you have a streamer who plays Rust inviting their random friends and it kind of seems silly and kind of funny. Um, how do you guys like test whether or not like that looks authentic? or kind of like not falsified. I think a big pushback is that if you just go out and pay like $1 million for a ninja or $1 million for whatever streamer, it doesn't rub the audience the right way because it doesn't seem like something that would happen in real life. How do you guys like measure the like authenticity meter of a campaign specifically to a game? Uh, well, in here, probably the most important thing uh, that we usually do would be the brief, the creative brief for the influencers. Since, uh, of course, there are several types of ads in influencer marketing. I'm sure we've all seen a lot of Ray Shadow Legends ads that are not looking that authentic and that native. <laughs> <clears throat> Let, let's say that. Uh, and, of course, they do raise a lot of questions on why why am I seeing this? Why this specific influencer promoted, even though the audience matches perfectly? Uh, some viewers may react negatively just, just because it doesn't sit right with them that the specific content creator would promote the game. Mm. But uh, if we do the brief for the influencers correctly, and if we have this balance of uh, giving them enough freedom and not giving them too much freedom, then this is the perfect perfect place when uh, you do get uh, authentic content and the content that actually looks organic. Okay. That may so it's like you don't put the them on a script. 
you're like, hey, like you played this game. Like this seems like it would fit right in your sweet spot, but you don't tell them like exactly what to say, how to say it. Oh no, of course not. Come off. Interesting. Um, Yeah, you're like, here's the main message. Somehow get this across (laughs) in the in the course of this 20 minute video. Yeah, go for yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, please, okay. please remember to do that and not do that, and then okay. then you're good to go. <laughs> Got it. I'm sure that some of the streamers are really good at following directions, and I'm sure that some of them are not very good at following directions. Um, so, oh yeah. And then, uh, okay, cool. And then, in this situation, right? So you're you're promoting the Rust Pack inside Dying, Dying Light. How does Techland know whether or not you guys were? successful in running the campaign? What sort of metrics do you guys track on your end to see whether or not your campaign was successful for the game? Uh, For this specific campaign, uh, the KPI that was uh, given to us by the Techlands team uh, was uh, the number of views for Mm -hmm. all the the pack of the influencers and uh, how fast we collected them. Uh, first of all, we should note here that these were all dedicated videos. And if we launch a dedicated video for a new game on a channel that usually films content for a whole other game, there is always a high risk for n- this video not getting the average amount of views because the, the influencer's audience is actually used to uh, watching him play Rust and not Dying Light, and they like uh, his commentary on Rust, for example. So um, our job was to try and make everything as native, as organic, as fun as possible to actually uh, get those views and make sure that Techland doesn't pay for one views and just get gets the whole, whole other number. Got it. Okay, interesting. So that, that actually goes counter to what I would have supposed. I would have supposed the KPI you guys would have been measured against was actually potentially like conversion to the actual Rust pack itself? Not it usually views. is. Yeah, it, it usually, is, usually okay. is, yeah. Uh, but uh, in this specific case, uh, we didn't, like, we didn't get that much access into the whole SAS. So um, we just got the feedback from Techland that mm-hmm. um, that was okay. This was the average CP, CPI that we've got. Uh, we've had this many uh, installs uh, and purchases. So... Uh, we didn't get to analyze it in the depth that we would like to. Okay. B- because this was actually a very interesting campaign, and we would love to get into the metrics and see uh, how those conversions worked in detail and try mm. to analyze each of the influencers. But um, we just got the feedback on those who uh, performed better, um, on the influencers that um, were kind of like average and uh, who didn't meet the goal that the tech had. But uh, we didn't get to analyze all of the stats, unfortunately, so. Got it. And I remember you saying, um, when you were describing the campaign, the Techland came to you and they said, YouTube, no Twitch. Um, can you talk specifically in the, in the case of Dying Light, why was that? Um, why, why only YouTube, no Twitch? And then maybe also as a segue, talk about maybe the differences between selecting which platform might be right for a game. You know, what's the difference in the strategy between TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, et cetera? Sure. Um, well, it is worth mentioning, actually, that uh, Techland came to us uh, by emailing one of our exclusive talents that we represent exclusively. So that is uh, how we got their contact and how we actually managed to make 
this one deal with one specific influencer into a whole campaign. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, they were initially looking for YouTube only. And I would say that um, the reason why uh, some of the game developers and game publishers choose YouTube instead of Twitch is because on YouTube, even when the influencer produces a whole YouTube dedicated video that could be, I don't know, like 40 minutes long, you still get the chance to approve the draft. You still get the chance to actually see the, uh, the content that will be published and you get to control it. So if there is something in the update that is not working that good still, uh, you can edit it out and you can just tell uh, what we should show and what we should probably omit. Oh, that's really interesting. I didn't think, I guess that's totally right because you wouldn't do YouTube live. You'd be doing video content um, f uh, on either short form or long form, whatever it is, but um, it's controllable space as opposed to Twitch, which is just on the live stream so that for the influencers that don't like to follow directions, um, <laughs> you, can, you can't stop that. That's really, really interesting. Um, and so this was for Dying Light, it was specifically selected because it was a controllable, like short form edited format. Um, and is that the way that most games should think about it, right? Like, if, like let's just say like brand new game, I'm trying to figure out whether or not I should publish on, do an influencer campaign on TikTok or Facebook or YouTube or Twitch. What would I be thinking about? Uh, well, of course, if we're talking about a new game, uh, our general recommendation would be to first get enough users to test it and to make sure that, not like test it, test it, but to uh, actually see if your servers perform well under a lot of... Um, sure traffic volume so you would get to see if uh if like you would get to see which level of traffic of simultaneous uh, traffic is okay uh and when the, the game is not crashing when there are no like bugs that you did not expect to uh, to come up so the probably the first stage would be to uh to try out youtube because yes yeah, just just like we said you can control it and for uh, the first iteration and for like the first market entry uh, for the new game, it is uh, super important to, to acknowledge all of that and to keep it in mind and to make sure that the game will be presented the way it should be. Of course, we're not talking about editing everything out and uh, presenting the game with a lot of bugs and uh, technical problems as uh, the super perfect one. But uh, this will actually help you to uh, avoid some crushes that, that are not a tendency in the product, mm -hmm. but just, just something that uh, happened unexpectedly. Yeah. So YouTube, of course, would be uh, number one. And Twitch should follow uh, YouTube integrations and YouTube dedicated videos when you know that uh, the game can actually handle all of the traffic and uh, everything will be working okay. Uh, especially when the the streamer will be broadcasting at all, because it can also sure. cause some additional additional pressure. Yeah, yeah. you can have a big backfiring um, epidemic if your game starts skipping uh, while oh, yeah. it's live, right? And then you can't change anything about it. Um, I guess more of my question is also like in terms of maybe genre performance, right? So you know, at least from an observer, like I noticed that a lot of like competitive games are more streamed on Twitch, and obviously that's because of the live aspect of it. Sure. And then like you were talking about Rust and Dying Light, which is something maybe more co-op, single player, narrative, etc. Um, 
PVE format is doing better on YouTube because there's none of that, like, you know, you're not watching live to watch people play live. You're watching people recorded playing a game that's not against others. Um, do you think that that has a lot to do with Twitch versus YouTube? Yeah, 100%. You're actually very insightful on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. so uh, this actually happens a lot. Um, the majority of Twitch streams are actually, uh, of gaming Twitch streams, of course, are uh, built around the emotion and the reaction of the, of the creator. Mm -hmm. So uh, you said correctly that very little viewers actually view the stream to, to see the game itself. They want to see the emotion, they want to see uh, the dynamics of, of someone playing the game and uh, reacting to other players and what actually is happening on, on the screen. So, yeah. Interesting. And then what about, like, I guess we talked a lot about genre, maybe PvP versus PvE. Um, what about platform, right? So for Mobile Legends Bang Bang, for example, um, for a mobile campaign, is there any difference in terms of Twitch versus YouTube versus TikTok? Or something like that, and maybe can you tell me a little bit about the the mobile legends um, bang bang campaign that you guys did? Sure. Uh, for mobile games, uh, YouTube is actually the preferred platform, mm -hmm. and uh, if if the streams are mm, the desired format, then of course we can switch to YouTube streams. That is okay, and uh, usually uh, this decision is backed by uh, YouTube being more mobile-oriented oriented platform, I would say. So um, Twitch sometimes can be heavy for uh, mobile games to be promoted on. So uh, they try to stick to YouTube and it gives nice performance, so there is actually uh, no problem with that. Uh, if we're talking about Mobile Legends Bang Bang, uh, we incorporated both platforms in there. So we had um, the YouTube part and the Twitch one. And for this campaign, the main goals were uh, increasing brand awareness, of course, and the number of installs, specifically in the Eastern European region where uh, the launch was based on. So um, the first thing that we had to do is to learn a lot about Mobile Legends, uh, Bang Bang's main competitors, and also about the games that our target audience uh, would love. Um, back then, we agreed uh, on Brawl Stars, on Dota 2, on LOL, on CSGO, PUBG Mobile, Minecraft, and Roblox. So these were the main games that the client was interested in and that was uh, kind of providing this match of uh, target audience that they had in mind. Um, also, another requirement from their side was for the creators to have a minimum of 30k average video views. So uh, we were not aiming for smaller creators be because actually the big part of this campaign was still brand awareness uh, together with performance. And smaller channels are not something that uh, you should be targeting if, uh, if we're talking about brand awareness and like bringing a lot of traffic simultaneously. So, yeah, I'm yeah. going to totally ask about sure. the bigger versus smaller guys. Um, like later, uh, I'm actually really, really interested on like, how do you think about that strategy of many small influencers versus one or two big ones? Um, but okay, so this for the Mobile Legends Bang Bang um, campaign, you were actually running this promotion in Eastern Europe um, yeah. for a game that's primarily though based in Southeast Asia, right? And so maybe this is a good way to talk about maybe the geographical differences in campaign design. 
Um, but Mobile Legends Bang Bang has a pretty ACG or what we call like anime, comics, graphics, art yeah. style, right? How do you find whether or not that resonates in a certain country? And do you ever kind of go back to your clients and say like, hey, actually, like this doesn't resonate here? Or do you guys just kind of like do try to make it work? Uh, no, of course. Uh, our job is to uh, conduct this uh, analysis before the launch and before even uh, starting to work in a strategy. Mm-hmm. Because you, you said, right, that um, some regions may prefer uh, these types of games and some may just not be really interested in it. And uh, what we do is we use uh, BuzzGuru tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an influencer marketing platform uh, that we use heavily in our work. And it provides us with uh, an opportunity to analyze the most popular games on uh, YouTube uh, in a specific region, in a specific period of time. So what we do is we um, take a look at the game that we're going to promote. We um, cross out we cross out several uh, competitors, some competing titles or uh, titles that also have a lot of um, things in common, a lot of uh, visual things in common or other components um, or game mechanics with uh, the game we are going to promote. And our job is to analyze how popular it actually is in the region, what the audience's feedback is. Um, We have to check if uh, the audience is actually interested and is enthusiastic about this content, or are they just hatefully watching the videos and writing <laughs> some shitty comments? So, of course, this is what we do, and uh, we try to measure the popularity uh, of this genre and of um, some similar games. And this is the report that we uh, revert back to the client with to actually make this decision. Got it. Okay, so you did this before. So you were like, you basically like sense checked Mobile Legends Bang Bang for the Eastern European region before you even yeah. said yes. And then you said yes. And they came to you with all these requests, like every single influencer must have over 30K average views. Um, and you're going to get measured based on basically the, and this was on conversion, right? Yeah, um, this to, was to, like, fully performance-based. Fully yeah. performance download-based. Okay, got it. Um, and so then tell me about like a little bit how that actually got designed, right? So you found these influencers who had the 30K views. Sort of what did you have them say about a game that might not be that might be for a different geography, right? Uh, yeah. So, um, and here I should also uh, throw a bit more info in about the formats because uh, they were also not like the the latest ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so it included dedicated videos and uh, live streams uh, on mm-hmm. YouTube and uh, in- integrated streams into the streams of of other games. So these are all pretty heavy uh, ad formats to use because they are fully dedicated to a whole other game. So uh, to promote Mobile Legends, we had to uh, discover around 140 uh, influencers according to the criteria that they gave us. And um, out of them, I think 14 influencers were picked for ambassadorship. So these were not just a one-time uh, publication type uh, of collaborations, but these were full-on uh, ambassador programs with the influencers launching a series of streams uh, each month. Got it. So, um, yeah, so uh, in here, uh, there was this actually super fun part uh, that we also had to do in terms of this campaign, uh, because we... Uh, had not to only advertise the game and bring uh, the downloads, but we also had to enhance the gaming skills of the selected content creators. 
uh, yeah, so uh, our job was to make sure that they could share their experiences with the players and be be genuine and actually increase the quality of the videos and the, the game itself and the streams. So to achieve this, we took it upon ourselves to understand the game uh, and prepare the briefs, um, not only for the ad themselves, but on actually how to play and basically Okay, so what... they were all bad, basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we could say that, yeah. That's really funny. Okay, so it's a little train. So you had 140 influencers, 14 selected ambassadors, and like some of the ambassadors just like were like, we're not good at... Well, I guess it's a MOBA, right? So it's like a pretty high skill cap game. I play a lot of League of Legends, so I don't play it on mobile, but that's a very, very like technically difficult game. Um, so basically like... Yeah, I guess that's a part of also selecting your influencers. Like, can they actually play and be good at the game that you yeah. want them to play? Interesting. Yeah, uh, so we had this full-on training sessions with all of them, and we had these calls, and just trying to help them really elevate their content and to actually make something that uh, the developer is going to love. That's really, really interesting. Um, and then, I guess, on this campaign, right, you said you keep using the word heavy and light, and so I guess heavy must mean that they, there's a lot going on. You've got... Fully, fully dedicated channels doing X. You've got like, you know, display ads doing this and you've got all these things that kind of firing and then light might be something um, where they're just kind of talking about it like a, like almost like a, mm, like a spot placement ad where someone might be talking about a car in a video that's for something necessarily like not necessarily the purpose of the video. Um, so it's kind of like a, a spot placement versus um, just like I'm dedicatedly talking about this. Um, is that correct for heavy and light? Okay. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Okay. So for this heavy campaign, were you guys the only um, influencer agency that Mobile Legends Bang Bang had drafted out, or did they have you guys as one agency and then another agency also doing the same thing together? Uh, yeah, uh, that's actually a nice question. Uh, we were, I would say that we were not the only agency uh, for one reason of. Uh, a lot of influencers being some exclusive talents to other agencies. So uh, mm. that was actually, yeah, uh, something that correlates to the question you asked before about the difference between uh, an influencer marketing agency and a talent house. Mm -hmm. uh, because a talent house just represents a specific number of influencers and um, helps them with their deals and tries to find new deals and uh, some sponsorship offers for them. Uh, when the influencer agency uh, works more on the side of the clients, trying to understand what exactly their uh, their need is and what their requirements are. And uh, influencer marketing agencies outsource the influencers and they find them from scratch. So talent houses work on the side of uh, the talents, and uh, influencer marketing agencies work on the side of the of the clients. So if you're looking for a performance based campaign, your path should should lie to the influencer marketing agency instead of a talent agency. Oh, okay. That's a really meaningful distinction, actually. So if you're like, oh, I want X streamer, you're going to a talent house. If you're saying, hey, I want someone to get this performance uptake for me, you can accomplish it however you want, you'd go to an influencer, influencer's agency. Yeah. And then you guys end up collaborating because you probably are like, hey, we've got a client. They want to achieve X percent uplift on this sale. Um, and we need Pokimane to do it. Hey, Pokimane's um, influencer house manager, do you want to work with us on this? Yeah. Uh, pretty much, yeah. Um, I would say that the agencies have this whole uh, network of uh, 
of partnerships between mm -hmm. them. And this uh, can also sometimes be helpful because the agencies may, uh, the talent houses, this uh, talent agencies may make bigger discounts to us as their agency partner than to the client directly. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and so because then, and then I was about to ask about the the the, the revenue structure or the the rev the sorry the rev share structure is that you guys probably have an alliance of like different influencers that you have these sort of deals with as well in the background um, so that XYZ's streamer might be cheaper to get through um, through you guys rather than through on your own or going directly to yeah, sure. the in house talent uh, sorry to the talent house yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, and maybe that kind of like leads me to the question, the mac the more macro question around like a bigger streamer versus a bunch of smaller streamers. Um, you know, as mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, um, XQC moved to kick and he got paid a hundred million dollars to do that. You know, someone out there thinks that he's going to either drive that much traffic in ads or that some game studios are going to come to him and write him a fat MG to stream and promote their new game. How should one think about like one individual big ticket price streamer versus kind of grassroots streamers that can be kind of like distributed out? Well, uh, that really depends on the goal of the specific games campaign. Uh, since for the brand awareness campaigns, one really big YouTuber or streamer can be much better uh, rather than uh, a bunch of smaller ones. Uh, mm -hmm. Though, Performance-wise, of course, several uh, smaller or medium-sized creators would be a much better and, I would say, sa safer option. Uh, first of all, you get to test different theories in terms of one campaign and different types of content within a smaller budget. And second of all, you just hedge yourself from this, uh, you know, putting all eggs in one basket mm -hmm. uh, type of situation when... Uh, if you invest all the budget into one big creator and if something happens uh, and they just don't get enough views or they simply do not convert the audience, probably because, I don't know, you made a mistake and you didn't analyze the audience um, and the engagement rates uh, as well, as thoroughly as you should, should have, um, then you just face the risk of uh, putting all the budget to waste. Mm. But if you uh, hire several influencers, first of all, as I said, you get to test different theories in terms of uh, the same budget. And of course, you uh, you just save yourself from the situation when uh, if one, one influencer do doesn't perform good, then the whole campaign is ruined. Because uh, if you have a lot of smaller creators, some of them will give better performance to compensate for the ones who didn't. Got it. Okay, interesting. And so potentially um, that might be a mistake or a misconception kind of amongst the your client side about being like, oh, we need big, big name because this is the way that we're going to get the likes and the comments, right? And you're like, no, actually yeah. often you might be better for you to just distribute your budget out because, you know, XYZ person could kind of mess it up. Um, yeah. Are there other really common mistakes that you think game studios make in their um, in, or misconceptions that they have in their influencer strategy? What are some of like the maybe like the top two or three mistakes that people typically make when they start thinking about this topic? Uh, well, probably the mistake number one would be uh, not taking account uh, taking organic traffic into account and mm. just trying to measure the effectiveness of the campaign based on the direct link downloads because this is not how influencer marketing works at all 
uh, you can imagine yourself just watching a YouTube video and seeing uh, some kind of ad when the influencer is telling you about uh, a mobile game. Well, you will not just stop the video. You will not go to the description box and you will not follow the, the link in there. You will just grab a phone or a laptop or whatever and you will just uh, go to the App Store and or to Google and you will just search, search the, the product that's being advertised. And a lot of users do that uh, in influencer marketing, especially for uh, game gaming campaigns. The share of organic traffic may reach up to 70% of the whole traffic that was generated from, from this influencer launch. So only 30% will go to uh, through the direct link. Mm. And when the studios don't uh, acknowledge the organic traffic influx, uh, well, it's obvious that they're just not going to see the results that they, they've expected and that they've hoped for and that they actually have because they're only taking 30% of the whole traffic into consideration. I see. Interesting. Um, and then I guess one would measure this by basically like observing run rate, run rate organic. And uh, then yeah. when the campaign starts, you might be like, okay, XYZ percent uplift happened and we're going to attribute this back to the campaign because if it's organic, then you have no kind of tracking identifiers to figure out whether or not this person was directly watching your ad or the streamer and then went to their phone and did this action. Yeah, sure. Uh, it can be tricky sometimes. So uh, if we're talking about the first campaign, uh, first campaign ever for the specific game, uh, the number one thing uh, to do in here is to test uh, the whole campaign and uh, try to measure organic to try mm -hmm. to count this uh, this ratio of organic to direct traffic on a region that does not have a lot of marketing activities or acquisition activities going at the same time and uh, that therefore has this like organic stability I would say mm -hmm. Uh, so that uh, what, so that you just don't have this uh, ups and downs uh, in the organic uh, graphics. So one, once you do that, you can then calculate uh, the average ratio on what you have and um, how how much organic traffic you actually uh, can gather. So uh, this this ratio may be then applied into the uh, other campaigns that are run on the regions where this organic stability is is not something that can be reached easily. Okay, got it. So people are forgetting that organic is part of the process. I definitely totally see where you're coming from. I don't think I've ever clicked on like an ad, but I'm like, now I'm aware of this thing. Um, and so I might do it later. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's really interesting. Um, and then do people, is there a timing component maybe? Do people start their influencer campaigns like too late when it's too little too late? Um, when's the right time to start thinking about an influencer strategy? I would say that uh, the wrong thing, the 100% wrong thing is to start uh, thinking about the influencer stra strategy and approaching uh, influencer marketing agencies or hiring influencer market marketing managers when the game is not yet finished. You will be surprised how, how many studios uh, just kick things off with influencer marketing when the product is not, it's not like released, it's not even tested yet. So the developers are just uh, sitting there writing their code and uh, then next to them, their influencer marketing managers thinking on uh, how they are going to promote this game. So uh, that is 100% something that should be avoided because everything obviously will change uh, 100,000 times and this will just be a waste of time.
Yeah. No, I mean, that's actually, that's great advice because I think like, but I think a lot of people out there when they're building their studios, they're like, oh, we got to have an influencer strategy. When do we start that? Um, and so, uh, you know, because in one in, in regards, the influencers themselves kind of want a, want to be a part of the journey, but how much, how much of a part of the journey, what are the, what a part of the journey, what does that mean? Um, and it just seems like from your, from your perspective and your, and um, your experience that it just doesn't make as much sense to start that early. Um, yeah. And then I guess maybe as like a final concluding question, what we talked a lot of, we just talked a lot about a lot of the mistakes, right? Like, oh, you forgot organic. Oh, you're starting influencer campaign way too early. You guys don't even have like your alpha set. Um, what game today, in your opinion, currently has the best influencer marketing strategy and what can we learn from them? Or a game that had done a really fascinating influencer campaign and what can we learn from it? Uh, I think that my all-time favorites would probably there, there would be would be two. I can't just pick one, so okay, uh, <laughs> you will, yeah, you will have to bear with me. Um, so actually, their influence marketing strategies are very similar, and probably that's uh, why I really uh, love them. So uh, these two examples would be PUBG Mobile and uh, Free Fire. Mm. What they do is they actually incorporate a lot of uh, creative approach. Uh, to the influencer marketing, they don't just run uh, some usual uh, YouTube integrations or um, Instagram integrations uh, whatsoever. They um, have this multi-layer strategy because first of all, what they do is um, they try to integrate the influencer's content into the game and they try to uh, create a lot of updates and in-game events that are connected to the pop culture. So, for example, uh, I remember uh, PUBG Mobile doing uh, an in-game event with uh, the Evangelion anime. So oh, yeah, Evangelion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Evangelion. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, for this campaign, they also um, hired several anime influencers and uh, not just um, the um, sh- shooter uh, gaming creators that they usually do. And there is actually a whole lot of this examples of the in-game events that they do, uh, both uh, PUBG Mobile and Free Fire. And um, the, the cool thing in here, uh, in their strategy, is that they really do align the in-game events with the type of influencers that they're, um, that they're approaching for these campaigns. So uh, that, that's really cool and that also shows great performance. Mm-hmm. from our experience and also uh, what is really cool about uh, both of their strategies is uh, something that I've also mentioned before is uh, contracting in-house gaming creators. So they're just creating the creators. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- what they may be doing is uh, they may be approaching uh, some smaller gaming creators who have just started creating their content um, and they don't have this uh, this many followers on their channels, and they may offer them to either uh, requalify their existing channels or to create a separate YouTube channel that will be uh, fully dedicated to playing the specific game. And so the influencer is actually getting to uh, be interested and be involved in producing this content because they get paid for each user that uh, installs the game uh, with their uh, direct link New or... Channel. yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. So the first thing for for Neon Genesis, um, NGA, um, sorry, NGE, um, 
it's one very like culturally tied into the fact that um, PUBG Mobile and both Free Fire are popular in Asia. Um, so they're doing things, like you said, that are culturally relevant. So that was like the first point. Um, and then the second point is that actually you, people will, instead of paying a big ticket price for a big streamer, they'll actually find smaller streamers and invite them into their community. And then you kind of grow together where the game is like, cultivating the streamer and the streamer makes a separate channel and then it's like i don't know like let's just say it's me it's alex alex's streaming channel and then it's alex's streaming channel for free fire and then you are literally measured off of how many people subscribe to your free channel free fire channel wow that's really cool um and free both free fire and PUBG do something similar um yeah well, uh, the majority of their um, activations are based on this in-game events. And I would say that the in-game events are pretty similar. I, I don't actually remember uh, which one also did the collaboration with uh, Jujutsu Kaisen and several mm-hmm. other animes. animes. But um, I think that both games did. And uh, yeah, that that is actually something that, ve- that is very interesting, both... Uh, culturally and from this like marketing perspective mm-hmm. awesome okay well thank you so much uh, we're unfortunately like up at time this was such a pleasure um and thank you for joining us and sharing your expertise in a field that is so critically important to the distribution side of games and something that i personally just don't know as much about um if anyone in the audience is interested in getting in touch with um working with or um or work with famesters either from the studio side or for yourself, um, how can they reach out um, and get in touch? Uh, well, if anyone can manage to type my name and surname, which I doubt, uh, in LinkedIn, that would be um, one option. But I think the easier one would be to email me at uh, NadiaFamesters.com. Got it. Um, and don't worry, we'll link to her LinkedIn in the show notes. And so if you don't have to even type it, you can just you can just <laughs> click. Um, there's influencer marketing. Um, marketing. Uh, and so on that note, uh, we'll be concluding. Thank you, Nadia, for coming. Um, thank you to our listeners. And I'll be back in two weeks. Um, feel free to hit me up at alexandra.novic.co if you have any questions or comments or concerns. We'd love to hear your feedback. And with that, we're out. If you enjoyed today's episode, whether on YouTube or your favorite podcast app, make sure to like, subscribe, comment, or give a five-star review. And if you want to reach out or provide feedback, shoot us a note at podcast at or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Plus, if you want to learn more about what Novik has to offer, make sure to check out our website, www.novik.co. There, you can sign up for the number one games industry newsletter, Novik Digest, or contact us to learn about our wide-ranging consulting and advisory services. Again, that is www.novik.co. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.